Good morning and welcome to King's Church. My name is Dan Evans and I'm glad you're with us today. The title of my message is, There is Power in a Seed. Last week, Dylan Neely, our senior pastor, talked about power in prayer. And today I want to talk about the power that's in a seed. And it's my goal to communicate that a seed must be planted in order for it to grow. A seed in my hand or even in a larger bag of seeds is not going to produce anything. It's not going to grow unless we take that seed and plant it in the ground. The word sow means to plant or to take an action with the intention of growth to cause something to appear or even cause something to spread. It's like a farmer who would take a seed of corn and he plants it in the ground. His intention is for a corn stalk to grow and for ears of corn to be revealed on that corn stalk and then eventually to have that corn spread throughout his field. The Christian life is very much like that. We sow seeds of the kingdom of God in every part of our life. Now let me pause and say that the catalyst for us sowing seeds of the kingdom of God is based on the reality that Jesus has been sown into our hearts. Jesus says in Matthew 13, 37 that He's a sower who sows good seed into our hearts. And when our hearts receives it like good soil, that seed begins to grow. The Word of God begins to grow and expand in our life. And fruit then is developed that ends up affecting and helping people around us. We can't minimize this point because before we can sow characteristics of God's kingdom into the world, Jesus must first be sown into our hearts by His Holy Spirit. And if you have never confessed your sins, if you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, if you've never committed your life to being a disciple of Jesus, I want you to know that today you can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that God loves you and you can know that you're promised an eternal life with Him. And so I'll give an opportunity for us to pray about that a little later. But there are many different types of seeds that we sow. There's seeds of the gospel. Whenever we share the story of Jesus, whenever we pray for someone, we're sowing in the seeds of the gospel. There are seeds of hospitality. Whenever we open our life, whenever we're welcoming to people, whenever we share what we have and include other people into that, we're being hospitable with them. We sow seeds of mercy with one another. We're all failed humans and we make mistakes and we have weaknesses. And so we don't judge one another. We, we show mercy towards one another as Jesus has shown us mercy. And we sow seeds of forgiveness. That's one of the things that marks us as a Christian is that we're a forgiven people. We realize that God, Jesus came and He gave His life so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And by putting our trust and faith in Him and asking for His forgiveness, the Word says that He's faithful to forgive us. And because we're forgiven, we forgive one another. We're always going to offend one another. That's part of relationships. It's part of the dynamic of the human race is that we're going to offend at times, but we don't allow that to cause grudges. We don't allow that to separate people, but, in other, but we, we ask for forgiveness for one another and we extend forgiveness. But the seed that I want to talk about today that I want to focus on is the seed of generosity. It's the seed of giving generously. Now this message is not an attempt to uh, motivate you to give more or to cause you to feel guilty if you can't. I want this to be an encouragement of what could be accomplished by sowing and giving generously and also the blessing that one receives through generous giving. Those are really the two points that I want to make today is that the power in a seed 
refers to what can be accomplished by generously sowing and planting that seed. And the power of the seed also refers to what can happen for the one who sows and gives generously. I want to look at both today. The first one, what can be accomplished with generous giving? Staying with my, my corn analogy, I looked up the Iowa corn facts, and if you forget all the science that's behind planting corns, you basically have uh, the idea that one corn seed can grow a stalk of about eight feet tall, and one stalk can produce about eight to 10 ears of corn, which is about four to five 15 ounce cans of corn that you might purchase in your grocery store. But what if we plant more? What, think about this in a generous way. Think about a healthy ear of sweet corn is about 800 kernels. And if you plant it across just one acre of land, that would be about 30,000 stalks, which would produce about 300,000 ears of corn. That's over 150,000 cans of corn in your grocery store. But if we planted with the idea of planting again, that 300,000 ears of corn would produce over 240 million potential seeds to plant in the next season. So you can just see the exponential multiplication that can take place in just one acre of sown seed. Again, the point here is that the seed will not produce anything if you don't plant it. Seed God gives us to sow and gives us to steward. It's our time, our possessions, our money. It must be sown in order for the power of the seed to be released. God has given us many examples throughout Scripture of this very principle. In John chapter 6, Jesus feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish that were donated by a young boy. It was likely all that the boy had. He was giving it up. It, giving it up meant that he was likely not going to eat that day. But God blessed what the boy had given. He blessed his generosity and he multiplied those five loaves and two fish to feed a crowd of 5,000 people. And the story says that after they had finished eating, they were able to collect 12 baskets of leftovers. This was an extraordinary multiplication of God's provision from the generosity of a boy. The boy had to take all the food that he had out of his bag and recklessly but generously give it. It was clearly not enough to begin to feed 5,000 people, but God came in and He blessed the generosity of this boy and we, we saw the power of the seed be released to help the people around. There's another story in Exodus chapter 33 through 36. The people of God faced a massive task in building the tabernacle. But they achieved it through multiplication of volunteers and their generosity. It says in chapter 35, verse 1, that Moses assembled the entire congregation. So the whole church was invited into this building project. And it said earlier in chapter 33 that everybody had been worshiping, everybody had been praying into this building of the tabernacle. And when we get into verse 35 or chapter 35, we see that an invitation was given to everyone to be generous. In verse 5, it says, Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Now, what we see unfold in the story here is that the task wasn't accomplished by just one generous donor or by just a few people stepping up to be generous. In verse 20, it says, Then the entire congregation came together, everyone whose heart had been stirred, everyone whose spirit moved on him, and they brought the Lord's contribution to be, to be used. 
Everyone pitched in and was serving here. It was an amazing response to a call to be generous. Everyone came with their skills, they came with their abilities, and they came with generous gifts. And in Exodus 36, 5, it was said, the people brought more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded. So the leaders told the people to stop giving. You've been so generous, we have way more than we need to accomplish the task. So those of you who are still waiting to give, hold on to it. We don't need you to give at this time. I mean, what an amazing environment that that would be. I mean, I think any church leader would love to be in that position where they're asking for people to give into missions or give into some goal that they're striving for, but to be able to stand in front of your church and say, hey, you've been so generous that we don't need you to give anymore. What an amazing opportunity that that would be. But what we have in this story is an extraordinary multiplication of God's provision again from the generosity of a people involved with this. People had to sow seeds of prayer, seeds of service, and seeds of generous giving for that power of the seed to be seen. So just like a single seed of corn can feasibly multiply into 8,000 kernels in a single corn stalk, so does the multiplication of God's provision as we're generous in sowing our seeds. So a lot can be accomplished by sowing seeds of generosity. The second thing, what can happen for the one who sows, who gives generously? There's a book, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn, and he makes some great statements that help us here. He says, giving jumpstarts our relationship with God. It, it opens up our hands to release what we really can't hold on to in the first place. If, if you think that you're the one holding on to your money and holding on to your possessions and you have the power to do that, you're mistaken. There are any number of circumstances that can come in life and take the money and take the possessions that you have. We really do not have the power to hold on to those things in life. So generously giving allows us to open up our hands and release those things that we can't hold on to and it allows us to receive what God has for us. Giving also brings freedom. Holding on to more and more possessions becomes a heavy work after a while. It becomes an increasing weight that holds you back because the more you have and the more you struggle to hold on to it, the heavier that becomes. And by opening up your hands and allowing, the, allowing yourself to be generous and to give and plant your seed really allows the freedom to come into your life from that. Giving also influences life with joy. A focus on possessions often robs us of happiness and contentment. The more focused I am on my money, the more focused I am on my possessions and gaining more, it, it, it enables, it keeps me from finding a place of contentment and I end up not being a happy individual. But generous giving turns our attention to Jesus who's the source of all joy for us. And then finally, Giving establishes reward and treasures in heaven. Matthew 19, Jesus tells a rich man to sell his possessions and give to the poor and he will have treasures in heaven. And I think it's right for us to have that as a goal. We know that there are eternal treasures that we can build and have ready for us in eternity. And, and those are much better than any earthly treasures that we can try to hold on to here, but that will not last. A final story I wanted to share with you comes from 2 Corinthians 9. It's a story of how a generous people from Macedonia were in their giving. 
They were a poor people. Macedonia was located in the northern parts of Greece, and, and the Macedonian church was, uh, uh, had extreme poverty, and the churches in the area were collecting offerings to help the Jerusalem church at the time, who was struggling and going through some hard times. No one expected the Macedonian church to give because they were in such poverty, but they insisted. They, in fact, they demanded to be part of this offering. And Paul is telling the story here, and he's, he's trying to encourage the Corinthian church, which is down in the southern parts of Greece. It was a much more wealthy area. He was trying to encourage them with the Macedonian example. He was trying to encourage them to give generously from their wealth as the Macedonians had given in their poverty. And I'd like to read a few verses down through 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and make some observations along the way. In verse 6, Paul says, The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Note there's only two types of givers here. There's the one who sows sparingly. They're, they're calculating what is the minimum, just the, the smallest amount that I can give while still keeping all of my expenses and all of my financial future planning going. Uh, what is just the bare minimum that I can give to get by? That's an individual who sows sparingly. And then there's one who sows bountifully. They're, they're generous with what they are wanting to give. And I would wonder where we fall in these two categories. In verse 7, he says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice here it's saying we must give with our heart. We must decide first with our hearts what to give, not with our budgets. We don't sit and calculate what my budget needs and all my daily and monthly expenses and my future savings plans and what I'm trying to save for retirement and what I, I need to save for the couch that my wife wants to buy and then figure out what do I have left over that I can give. No, giving with the heart first requires faith, but we seldom allow ourselves to go there. In the next few verses in Corinthians here, it gives us really three benefits of sowing and giving generously. And so I want to draw those out as we go through these verses. In verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. What a fantastic promise of blessing that is for the person who is a generous giver. Grace will abound for the generous giver. You have, will have all of your needs met. You may not have all of your wants taken care of, but all of your needs will be generously provided for. When we go to verse 10, he states, He who supplies seed to the sower, noting there that God is the one who gives us seed to sow in the first place. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The second benefit there is that generosity will bless others around us. Paul is saying, hey, when people hear how generous you have been, when we tell them of the generous sacrifice that you've made, they will be so blessed that their only response will be to say, thank you, God. And then finally in verse 12, 
He says, For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. The third benefit that we see there is that our generosity not only blesses us, it not only blesses others, but it also blesses God. Thanksgiving to God will overflow. God loves and is blessed by our generous giving. He knows He provides it for us in the first place, but He's thrilled when we step out in faith to be generous. Giving first with our hearts and not our budget, not our future plans and possessions. Giving in faith as did the widow who gave her last two coins. That's showing us that it's not the amount that we give, but it's where is the line of generosity that we step across in our giving, whether it's two coins or whether it's 2,000 coins, we determine with our hearts where that line of generosity is when we sow that. Planting seeds of generosity is an eternal decision. Are you living a life that will outlast you? It's so easy to get caught up in the temporary things. I mean, having stuff is not bad. Savings is not bad. Planning for the future is not bad. But we must put our hearts and our generosity First, when we make decisions to plant the seeds that God has given us and plant it generously, we then begin to impact the eternity of others around us for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. First, for those who don't yet have a saving relationship with Jesus, as I said earlier, today you can know that your sins are forgiven. You can have a relationship with God, you can experience His love, and you can know that you have eternal life. So I would ask for you to just follow me in this prayer, but make this prayer your own. Father, we thank You for Your amazing love for us. Lord, Your Word says in Romans 3 that we've all sinned, but You gave us an amazing promise in John 3:16 by saying that You so loved the world that you gave your only son, that whoever would just believe in him, put their trust in him, they wouldn't perish, but they would have eternal life. And then you tell us in Acts 16 that if we believe in Jesus, we will be saved. You've given us this promise, so I admit that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. I believe that you're God's son. I believe you came and died for my sins and was resurrected so that I could be forgiven. So please forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and enable me to walk with you as your disciple. And Father, help us all be generous as you have been generous. Let us see the power that's in a seed as we generously sow everything that you have given us. Amen.